Welcome to the No Shame on You podcast, where we talk to mental health professionals, educators, and advocates. No Shame on You is a 501c3 organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. Our goal is for people who need help to seek it, for family members and friends to know how to provide proper support and to save lives. Now, here's your host, No Shame on You's founder and president, Miriam Ament. Welcome to the first podcast of No Shame on You, an organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. My name is Miriam Ament, and I am the founder and president of No Shame on You. Today, we are honored to be joined by Nina Henry, who was an addiction specialist at the Jewish Center of Addiction. We are thrilled that Nina is the facilitator of the first mental health first aid course that No Shame On You is offering for free to the Chicago community. Special thanks to the Gabe W. Miller Memorial Foundation for helping to make this course possible. Hi, Nina. Thank you so much for being here. We're so happy to have you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm delighted. Thank you. Sure. So, Nina, I wanted to talk to you about a bunch of things. First of all, what is mental health first aid? Mental health first aid um, is something that was developed in Australia in 2001 by two people, a gentleman named Anthony Joram, who is a clinical psychologist, and his wife, Betty Kitchener, who is a nurse. And the way I imagine it is they were walking along one day and Betty said to Anthony, because us women have all the good ideas, is uh, she said, you know, we have first aid, and I, by the way, I can't do an Australian accent, so I apologize <laughs> for that. Um, but we have uh, first aid for people who are in medical crisis, and we have, you know, uh, CPR for people that are in medical crisis. We don't have anything for people that are having a mental health problem or a mental health crisis. And so that's how I imagine the conversation went, and so therefore uh, they did uh, move forward to develop mental health first aid, and it came to this country, the United States, in 2008, and was adopted uh, through the auspices of the National Council on Behavioral Health, and also uh, was sort of managed by the states of Maryland and Missouri. Great, okay, cool. And who typically, t who typically takes the course? So um, the one, actually I'm going to tell you first the group that shouldn't take it only because they're the only people that would not like it and not gain anything new from it, which is people who are already clinicians. So this is not a course for uh, licensed clinical social workers or behavioral health counselors of any kind because, frankly, they would find this material, you know, really remedial for them because they're already in the practice. But this is pretty much for everyone else, and in particular people that come face to face with people that are experiencing mental health problems or are maybe having an emerging mental health crisis. So that would be like a first responder, so firemen, uh, EMTs, nurses, uh, uh, emergency room workers, or even something as simple like maybe the receptionist at an agency where there are mental health services being provided because typically those receptionists don't get this kind of training. So it's really for anyone that might come in contact with someone with a mental health problem, which is everybody. Right. Right? Right. <laughs> so. right. so that's amazing. So it really can apply to anyone's life who's not already well, skilled, right. you know, with, with these amazing uh, Indeed, skills. because so many of us have, either ourselves or our family members have been touched by mental health problems. Exactly. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. 
So um, I've been in the, in particular, my area of focus is substance use treatment. So I've been in the substance use field for probably around 27 years. And for a good portion of that time, close to 20 years, I worked for an organization in Chicago called Community Counseling Centers of Chicago. Uh, C4 is what it's referred to generally, and they had for many years, for almost 20 years, a substance use treatment pro program called Recovery Point, and I supervised that program. And what allowed me to learn, uh, and actually required that I learn a lot more about mental health problems, is that it was a program that specialized in treating people with both a substance use problem and a mental health problem. So we treated people with chronic and persistent mental illness, and so you know, that really required that I knew something about treating people with mental health problems. That's amazing. And what did you, what did you find from, um, are there some key highlights or, or points that you, you took from your many years uh, at Recovery Point? Um, well, you know, I, I, I guess what I <clears throat> would say that I learned that's most applicable to this aspect uh, of mental health first aid is the kind of stigma that my clients ran into. Um, with regard to housing. For instance, a lot of times a client, just because they had substance use issues, even if they weren't active in their problem or had a mental health problem, even though they were on medications and were stable, a lot of times uh, a, re a, you know, a, a potential landlord would say, well, I don't, I'm nervous about renting to you. What if you your substance use problems flare up again? Are you going to be able to make the rent? And I would literally have to get, you know, a release of information so I could talk to that landlord and say, well, you know, I can vouch for this person or we have a representative payee program that we can make sure pays your bills. But, you know, so they couldn't just go and rent. They were being discriminated against because of their mental health problems. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but it's amazing. It sounds like you really did a lot to help improve well, the situation. Well, we, we had to because that was the nature of things. I mean, people with these problems are routinely discriminated against. And so, it, you know, I saw it as part of our job, but that's also part of the reason why I'm attracted to mental health first aid, because I don't think it should be. <laughs> right, right. Right. I don't Everyone think should. that we should have to vouch for someone. They should have to sign a release of information so that their counselor could talk to a landlord. That seems really kind of ridiculous that that's necessary. Right. So tell us, so that brings you right to tell us how you uh, became a facilitator of the course. So um, I, um, in 2000, I want to say 2009, 2010, um, I was approached by uh, the vice president of C4, Community Counseling Centers of Chicago. And at that point, C4 had been designated as the lead agency in Illinois for mental health first aid. And um, they were trying to build up a cadre of trainers. And I was asked you know, if I would be interested. And to be honest with you, I was so busy in my job, I, I kind of turned them down a couple of times. <laughs> and finally, my boss said to me, this is a really good thing for you to be doing, Nina. And I know it's consistent with your belief system, right. so you should be doing it. And uh, I've never looked back. And it, I am beyond grateful that I have had this training because it really kind of changed my career. It's part of the reason why I'm now at Jewish Center for Addiction because part of my job here is to reduce stigma against substance use problems, particularly in the Jewish community, but really community-wide. Right. Know? 
Um, but uh, so I started my training uh, around 2009, 2010, and my first mental health first aid training was in November 2010. Oh, amazing. So you've so been doing this for six years. I've been doing it for a long time. Um, our next training on July 8th will be my, I believe, my 28th. Wow. So January, yeah. <laughs> January 8th, your 28th. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that cool? Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. Uh, we're so excited. Yeah, January 8th and 15th. Uh, yes. We're so thrilled that No Shame On You is, is joining you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we're so <laughs> thrilled. And um, I wanted to ask you, what is some of the, with your six years of experience and doing so many trainings, what is the, some of the common feedback you've received from people who've participated in the training? Well, I think um, one of the things that, particularly in the second session, uh, we do the, the section on learning about psychosis. And some of the exercises we do really kind of knock people back a, a peg or two because we do some experiential stuff so they get to experience what it's like to hear voices. Mm. And most people are just, basically they say, I, have, I had no idea that people experience things like this, that they, you know, that they would have to try and have a conversation with another person while at the same time hearing voices or seeing things that aren't really there. And you know, so I, I think that's a particularly excellent example of how people can get a, an experiential ex, you know, um, opportunity to know, to be able to empathize with someone who has a mental health problem and understand how scary it might be for that person. So uh, that, you know, that's one example. Let me see if I can think, you know, a, another uh, thing that I think people really feel grateful for is you know, before I, you know, they'll say things like, before I wouldn't know what to say or I wouldn't know what to do. And even though I, I can't tell you that I absolutely am going to know what to do in every situation, but I feel like I'm armed in case something does come up. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's just so. a skill set that people feel comfortable. It's Precisely. like a security blanket almost yep. to, to be out in the world and, and deal with whatever yes. it comes. Yes. So they're sort of less frightened right. to come into contact with something that before they didn't understand. Right. Well. And that's amazing. And I think the world yeah. needs more of that. So thank you for Me being too. a part of Yes. Thank you for being a part of that. Um, now, I wanted to ask you this. We're recording this the day after uh, unfor the unfortunate news that Carrie Fisher, yes. a huge mental health advocate, uh, passed away. And I mm -hmm. wanted to talk to you a little bit. She, she's someone who not only talked openly about her bipolar disorder before people were really open about it, but she also talked openly about her substance use disorder. And I just, I just wanted to talk to you about what, how, you know, any effect that, that Carrie Fisher's opening up has had on, on some of your courses or some of the people you've come in contact with and how you think her amazing openness and, you know, advocacy has sort of helped the cause in terms of it's, it's educating It's actually people. huge. Um, one of the things that I recently became aware of is, I, I don't remember the name of the organization, but there is a professor at IIT, um, a guy named Patrick Corrigan, yes. who is doing with, the, I can't remember the name of his organization, but he's doing um, research um, really on ver this very thing, is that probably more than almost anything else, um, someone of lived experience, talking about their experience, which Carrie Fisher did, I mean, she did a, a Broadway show, I believe, based on yes. her personal experience. And it's really um, been proven that that's 
the, one of the single biggest factors in reducing stigma against people with these problems is hearing from someone who has successfully overcome those obstacles and is beginning to live in a successful way. That doesn't mean that the mental health problems have gone away, but they've learned how to live successfully with those problems. And there's a number of wonderful programs um, in this country, there's also an organization called Faces and Voices of Recovery that specifically addresses the stigma against people with substance use problems. They even have a training that, you know, we could talk about at a later date that actually helps people, again, get skills to talk about their own recovery in a public forum. So we know from research that people like Carrie Fisher and, and other such people that have had that lived experience of mental health problems, when they talk about that, it's, it makes a huge difference. Yes, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool that you mentioned Patrick Corrigan because we're honored, no shame on you, is going to be doing a program that he developed called the Honest Open Proud Program, <laughs> which helps people, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which helps people uh, living with mental health conditions decide if they want to disclose or don't want to disclose yes, and what are the pros and cons to. and how to do it if they do want yes. to because it's such a personal decision. So we're excited yes, to be doing uh, presenting that at, uh, in February and March. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, um, just that I feel really um, privileged to be able to do this work because I... You know, I have had the privilege over many, many years in the field of addictions, in the field of mental health treatment, of meeting wonderful human beings who feel like they can't let their light shine. And, you know, the idea that these folks can kind of, as it were, come out of the closet, that is the, the euphemism that we use, but can really just be themselves in any, you know, the idea that they can be themselves in any context is is a real big goal of mine, and I know it's a goal of yours. And so thank you for this opportunity. Well, thank you. That's how I see it. Thank you. Well, thank you. We're, we're honored to, to be working with you, and, and I'm honored to know you. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Back at you.